Welcome, welcome, welcome into a Tuesday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. A lot to dive into on a Tuesday. We have a huge proposal in the billions, not millions, billions of dollars uh, for Fort Wayne, and it ties into sports. We'll talk about that after Headlines Plus. We'll talk with Dirk Rally of Wayne 15. He had the story yesterday about this massive project near downtown. We'll talk with him just after the top of the 8 o'clock hour about this and what could it be, timelines, other questions that were unknown in this release. We'll get to that. Also, the wagons are circling for Jim Harbaugh. It does not look good for Michigan. Now, I just want to be clear. I don't think anything will happen, but it doesn't look good. Um, we'll, we'll tell you the, the latest details on this and, and what came out yesterday. Uh, plus, in hour number two, we'll get to more on, you know, what should Harbaugh do? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. And then Marcus Freeman turning the tables for all uh, the rightful rightful questions about you know 10 men on the field and and the breakdown at the end of the ohio state game Uh, marcus freeman had to turn the tables on one of the media members as uh their strategy was well questionable we'll we'll explain what's happening there uh also uh michael Pittman jr complaining already contract year right no extension well he thinks he's not getting the ball enough well he could not be more wrong based on the numbers we'll get to that and uh before we leave you on the show today a city in utah tells a homeowner to take down dancing skeletons we'll explain what's happening in that situation i saw that yesterday and i sent it to a couple buddies and said god bless america <laughs> but we'll break down exactly what kind of dancing was going on here with those skeletons so like i didn't notice them and suddenly, uh, driving back uh, Sunday from being down in Madison, uh, Indiana, for the weekend, yeah, the, like those massive, super yeah, the tall big ones, sc- yeah. I saw a few, and I'm like, I've never seen these before. Yeah, and they're apparently kind of they've been around for only like two or three years. Now they have the big Jack skeletons from what is it, Nightmare, uh, Nightmare, uh, Nightmare Before, before Christmas? Christmas? Yeah, I think those have been around, but these are just pure these are just skeletons. Huge, like yes. they're like eight feet tall, massive. I, uh, I, I. Still don't understand. Like, if you have inflatable decorations for Halloween, um, good for you. Your electric bill, though, probably not good for you. <laughs> not my scene, for sure. But, um, yeah, you're paying a pretty penny, if You have, especially if you have several of them. 46862, your text line number 46862. That's how you reach us. Just type in CK first. And your question or comment, you can also text SURVEY. To 46862. Again, survey to 46862. Uh, we want you to make your voice heard. So just text survey to 46862 and you can fill out our short fan survey. You'll get the link back. And if you fill out the survey, you'll be entered to win a $100 Visa gift card. So uh, let us know your thoughts on the fan, the shows we have, what you like, what you don't like. Um, be nice to us <laughs> if you're listening. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, just let us know. Again, text SURVEY to 46862. You'll get the link. You can fill it out, and you'll be entered to win a $100 Visa gift card. So that's live, and, and, and it's up for just a couple of weeks. So this is a short-term thing, but we want to get your feedback as soon as possible. 
All right, let's dive into headlines, and uh, I'll be honest, I am sick of Kirk Cousins in primetime games, so I refuse to watch this game. But he delivered last night. But he delivered. He delivered. Kirk Cousins, with perhaps uh, one of his best primetime performances in his career as the Vikings, hold off the Niners 22-17, to and Kirk Cousins was great. 35 of 45, 378 yards, two touchdowns, uh, just one pick. In the game, was not sacked, outplayed Brock Purdy, who threw two picks. Who would have thought the Vikings would come through with Kirk Cousins in primetime? Just a phenomenal effort. Now, he was helped by Jordan Addison. The throw at the end of the first half that was just kind of thrown up for grabs, Jordan Addison was able to wrestle away from Charvarius Ward of the 49ers and ended up being a 60-yard touchdown. That was huge, but Kirk Cousins... 35 of 45, 378 yards, a couple touchdowns, and you mentioned the pick. And just a a great, great effort by the Minnesota Vikings to knock off the 49ers, who all of a sudden have lost two straight, just their second two-game losing streak in the last two years. So, of course, Christian McCaffrey scored a couple touchdowns. That's just what he does. But overall, a surprising result last night on Monday Night Football with the Vikings getting the home win over the Niners. And a huge game for the Vikings, because with Detroit losing again over the weekend, I mean, the, the Vikings, yes, they're at three and four. Uh, they, they haven't had their bye yet. Uh, Detroit at five and two. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to catch Detroit, but it's at least somewhat competitive again. It closes the gap. I don't know if Minnesota can consistently play the way they did last night, but at least add some intrigue this morning to the NFC North. Meanwhile, in baseball now, I was watching this one, and it was an absolute rout it was by the t- Texas Rangers. It, it was tough to see, right? No, nobody was it, wants to was see, it hard? Nobody wants to see the Houston Astros lose, right? Oh, you, you love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. Whether you don't like them because of the cheating scandal or don't like them because they've won multiple World Series over the last several years, whatever it is, it was nice to see the Texas Rangers knock off the Houston Astros last night. On the road in a Game 7, Rangers win 11-4. to Adolis Garcia had not one but two home runs. He had uh, one early on in the game that kind of set the tone, and then he had another late in the game to, to really just put a stamp on things. The Rangers, their first World Series since 2011 with a route. Dusty Baker, the Astros manager, said, we'll see on his future. Uh, I, I saw other reports that basically made it sound like he's done, that this was it. This was his final season. He's 74 years old. Uh, Corey Seager had a homer in the first inning to start things off. Uh, it didn't matter that Max Scherzer was pulled after, what, two and a third innings. Uh, it did not matter. Because uh, just this kept breaking. Rangers offense, home run after home run after home run. And uh, I guess I, I got to give Scherzer more credit, two and two-thirds. But, yes, I, I, just a... Phenomenal performance, and it was so fun to watch. I mean, I don't think I don't think anyone except Astros fans are are feeling bad this morning at that result. And who says you can't turn things around quickly in Major League Baseball? Right? Two years ago, this was a Texas team that lost 102 games. Last year, lost 94 games, and they're going to the World Series. How about that? Congratulations, Co- uh, manager Chris Younger. General manager Chris Young has done a tremendous job in. Really turning over the roster relatively quickly and turning Texas into a contender. And they knock off not just Houston, their their division mate, Houston Astros, in seven games. 
and head to the World Series first time since 2011 for the Rangers. Meanwhile, in the NLCS Game 6, the Diamondbacks get the win 5-1 to one over the Phillies to force the Game 7, which will be played tonight. Uh, Tommy Pham hit a home run in this one um, early on in the second, and it really is... This was an Arizona team. They had a 3-1 lead after two innings and, and didn't really look back in this game. No, and it was the pitch. I mean, Merrill Kelly, that's who you wanted uh, in this situation. If you're Arizona, he threw uh, five innings, only gave up a single run, struck out eight, and then the bullpen did the rest. And it was just limiting Philly's bats. We've seen that it's almost feast or famine with Philly with the long ball and not being able to manufacture runs. And they weren't able to against Arizona last night. The three-run second inning was huge for for Arizona, particularly uh, once Philly scored a run in the bottom of the second. And that's what Philly's been able to do when they've been able to win this the games in this series is get ahead early. And Arizona was able to do that in the second inning yesterday. Sets up that game seven tonight. And it'll be in Philly, of course, pitching mass, match up. You look at, it will be, who is it, Suarez for um, Philly. So it's Ranger Suarez. And Arizona is going to counter with Brandon Fat. So we'll see how that goes tonight as Suarez has been dominant in the in the uh, playoffs. Uh, Fat has been pretty solid too as well. So game seven of the NLCS coming up this evening. First pitch is a little after eight o'clock. And interesting stat, so the Diamondbacks forcing the Game 7. The Phillies have been a franchise since 1883. This is their first ever Game 7. Wow. The Diamondbacks have been around since 98, and this is the second. Of course, the other Game 7 is when they beat the Yankees in the 2001 World Series. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, with uh, with Luis Gonzalez and Johnson, all those guys. So um, pretty pretty amazing, but just just great. We get one Game 7. And then another game, seven the day after. So the, 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 the championship series have absolutely delivered for Major League Baseball this year. Also, the road team in Rangers-Astros won every game. I believe that's the second time that's ever happened. The only other time, I think, was the 2019 World Series. Wow. So uh, did you see the sad astronauts? Did you see that clip? I did. I did <laughs> see was, the sad astronauts. I saw that live, and I thought, that's going <laughs> to that's gonna go viral. But there are a couple of Astros fans in astronaut costumes but the visors they pretty, up. De- pretty dejected. They were sad when it was eight to two. Now, if you're going to your seats, okay, and you got two astronauts, it, they got they got the the headgear, yeah. the the NASA suits, and you're sitting by these guys. Are you thinking, oh, the, these guys are going to be fun, or you're like, oh, I don't want to sit by these loons? Uh, what, what's your you know, first it, thought? It depends if depends on which team I'm rooting for. If I'm rooting for the <laughs> Astros, I am just like, okay, it's a little a little much, but. You know, but yeah. of course, I'm not rooting for the Astros, so I would enjoy and probably want to mock them after every home run. They looked like they were being, at least that, that they were at home, but they looked uh, pretty dejected yesterday in the stands. I'm sure they didn't start off that way during the game yesterday. No, no, but uh, rightfully so. They they should have been dejected with that bad performance that I think we all very much enjoyed. Yeah, not very <laughs> many night. sad astronauts out there no. across the country this sad morning. Sad astronauts. Yes, <laughs> seeing the Astro- Astros out. Uh, a couple other notes on the NFL. Kevin Byard uh, traded by Tennessee to the Eagles. Interesting move. So uh, to me, that's Tennessee <laughs> feels like them giving up on the season. <laughs> I mean, like this is one it. of their better defensive players. 
Uh, the Eagles sent safety Terrell Edmonds in a 24-5th and 6th round pick to the Titans uh, for that selection, but that's a curious move for Tennessee, I'd say, without a doubt. Within striking distance of, of the division, too, but I, I think you're really... And in recent years, we've seen the trade deadline pick up in the NFL. It used to be almost non-existent, maybe some moves on the peripheral, but Major League Baseball has the trade deadline that's really focused on 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 moves. But we've seen in recent years an uptick in well, moves. We saw McCaffrey the move the deadline, yep. right? So this is a great move for Philly because it could be a rental for Bayard. Because he's um, a restricted or an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, but it definitely helps them this season and their quest for a Super Bowl. But man, you look at the Titans and and Bayard's been a, a steady dude for the Titans for his entire career, and they already did one lopsided trade with the Eagles when they traded AJ Brown to Philly, <laughs> right? And now it just feels like this is kind of another lopsided move. A little bit. I mean, you get a pick, I guess, but or you get two, a fourth and a sixth. But for Bayard, who's who's a really, I mean, he's not a all pro safety, but he's a reliable dude back there. So it just seems like, at least on the surface, that the Philadelphia Eagles fleece the Titans once again. Uh, meanwhile, one other note in the NFL: Denver Broncos safety Kareem Jackson suspended four games for repeated violations of unnecessary roughness rules. He will forfeit nearly $559,000 if the four-game suspension stands after an appeal. So he's been ejected twice this year? Uh, He's ejected Sunday against the Packers, and that was the second time he was ejected for an illegal hit. And um, it just seems like a dude that... um uh, a little, uh, I mean, suspended for what... It's unnecessary in terms of what he's throwing. So the play on... Uh, Sunday was actually putting his his elbow in front of his body to basically lead with the elbow as opposed to his shoulder. And that's why he was tossed. But uh, a dude that at the very least needs to change how he tackles and not lead with his elbow and actually lead with his shoulder. Meanwhile, in the NBA, several notes. NBA season gets underway tonight. And last night, a mega deal for Giannis Antetokounmpo, three years, $186 million extension with the Bucks does include a player option for the 27-28 season. So Giannis staying in Milwaukee. You got Damian Lillard in the offseason. It's been quite the offseason for Giannis and the Bucks. When I saw this pop up on my phone last night, I thought there was a mistaken right. one in front of it. <laughs> right. I go, well, that's not 186 million. It's got to be 86 million. No, it's 186 million for three years. It's a good deal for both sides. Milwaukee locks in their player for at least three years. It's also good for Giannis because he will then, in theory, if he doesn't get another extension, will hit free agency at his age 32 year, which is where he could then start looking around. And you look at some of his teammates and you look at Chris Middleton, who's early 30s. Damian Lillard, who's early 30s. Brooke Lopez, I think, is like in his mid-30s. Feels like he's played forever. Right? And so you're looking at, okay, if if this is their last gasp, I get, with, with the core they currently have, then it makes sense for Giannis to be like, now, nah, I don't want to sign anything longer than that because what are you going to put around me 
in three years because these guys aren't going to be playing at 35, 36, and 38 years old in a couple years. So makes sense for both sides. Giannis stays in Milwaukee for at least three more years, and he keeps his options open in his early 30s. Meanwhile, the Pacers make a move. Uh, forward Aaron Neesmith gets a three-year, $33 million contract extension. That's good because it's below the mid-level exception uh, as far as contract terms. That's a, a good price for a guy who's been a, a solid player for the Pacers. You expect him to get a lot of minutes. Meanwhile, another player who did not get an extension, uh, someone to keep in mind, Obi Toppin, uh, did not get a rookie contract extension, so uh, he could join restricted free agency next summer. Now you look at the Pacers and preseason, and they won't play until tomorrow against Washington. I think it's a home game to start the season. When you look at the Pacers and you look at Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin, Jarris Walker, in, in preseason and in the summer league has looked pretty solid. I mean, they should surpass their 35 wins from last year. How barring, much? Barring an injury, you right. know, like a season in, or long-term injury for Halliburton, for example, like what happened last year. Yeah, barring unforeseen circumstances, how much better can they be? They exceeded expectations last year, particularly in the first half of the year. Can they hit the ground running like they did last year and be ahead of schedule once again yeah i think that's the ultimate question again pacers open against the wizards tomorrow night at uh wow i almost said banker's life at gamebridge Fieldhouse in indy at least seven you o'clock Conseco. yeah that's people still say Conseco, and i just i <laughs> i, get I, it. I, I get laugh it. and and want to roll my eyes um but uh seven o'clock tip off in that one you can hear the game here on 1380 the fan in 100.9 fm uh, meanwhile, Jalen hood Shafino, former IU star, now Los Angeles Laker. He will not play tonight when the Lakers play in the Nuggets. He has a right patella contusion. He'll miss at least the opening week of his rookie season. He'll be re-evaluated on November 3rd. Uh, not ideal, but at least it's not long-term. Yes, and both IU, well, I, I guess he's not playing, but otherwise both would have been in action because... You have uh, the Warriors and Suns, ah. I believe, is the late game tonight. So, uh, Lakers, Nuggets, and Warriors, Suns, the matchups tonight to open up the season. Lakers, Nuggets at 7.30, Warriors, Suns at 10 o'clock. So, I will not catch the late game. No, <laughs> neither of us will. Uh, this is this is uh, news from Portugal. Okay. Uh, the world's oldest dog. Yes, I saw that. Bobby. Um. At 31 years old. Can you imagine died. a dog so living how, to be 31? Yeah, how old is your guys' dog? Four. Oh, yeah, he's got a long way to go. She's got a she, long way yeah. to go. Uh, ours is, I think, uh, he'll turn eight or I know, nine. Nine in a couple days. 31. Like, that's what, in my own personal hell, our cat would live to 31 <laughs> years old. The cat uh, I had growing up, she was actually older than me, and she lived to be... We think 20. We weren't 100%, but she was older than me. We think 20 years old. Pretty wild. 31 years old. Because once you get into double digits, you're like, ah, you know, getting towards the end of his or her life. And 31 years old. So uh, congrats, Bobby. A uh, life well lived. Last 20 years of its life. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, CK, Pacers will win 40 games. Always stuck in mediocrity. I do think it's a step forward for the Pacers. It's better than a step back. I think it's incremental growth. For the Pacers, you would hope they can finish above 500, though. This right? Year. I mean, 
in an ideal world, they're winning 44, 45, 46 games. Yeah, and you're seeing promise, another year promise from the young players, and you go forward from that. I, I don't think all of a sudden we're seeing a 50, no. 55 win team, but if you can fi- fi- you can finish over 500, I think it's another step forward for the Pacers. The, the one thing I will say, if Benedict Matherin steps in to the starting lineup, which we expect to happen, and becomes a 20-plus point-per-game scorer, I would say watch out. I think this team can maybe go higher than what we expect, which I expect 41-42 wins. That's that's my expectation. And and to be either in the play-in or or be, you know, at the very tail end, um somewhere in that 7 to 10 range and either making the the actual, you know, <laughs> postseason right by playing in or at the the top end winning, you know, 45 games and being the, what, the seven seed? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think those are reasonable expectations for the Pacers. At the very least, you look at a team and say, if you squint your eyes and take your glasses off like me or whatever, you could see a potential factor in the East in a couple years in terms of a threat at the top of the East. They're not there yet, but you can kind of see it starting to come into focus a little bit if this happens and this happens and this player develops and they add at this position, you can see it starting to come together. I think in terms of optimism, it's got to be the best that the Pacers have felt in quite some time. In a final note in college basketball for headlines, AP preseason All-American team, Zach Eady of Purdue on the list joins Hunter Dickinson now of Kansas, Armando Baycott of North Carolina, Kyle Filipowski of Duke, and Tyler Kolick of Marquette. Uh, a lot of bigs on this list. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to, uh, we knew Zach Eady would get all, yeah, all the yeah. preseason accolades. I, I, it's just all noise to me because he's the reigning player of the year across the country. Of course, he's going to win all these these preseason awards. But um, I'll be glad when games actually start, both for Purdue and Indiana. We can start talking about uh, games as opposed to late night Taco Bell trips and preseason <laughs> accolades that mean nothing to me. Another text in on the Pacers at 46862. What does it matter if they win 35 or 45 games? They aren't close to contending. And short of finding a miracle like Giannis in the middle of the draft, they are hopeless. I understand the texter's um, jadedness with the Pacers. I I do. I, I just feel like looking at that roster for the first time in a while, you look top to bottom and say, yeah, I, I think they're, at least they have a direction. It may not work out, but it seems like they have a plan. And it's trending upward. And here's the thing. I would push back because they got Tyrese Halliburton in a trade. And he's turned out to be an all-star. And he could be, you know, the top point guard in the NBA, potentially. Uh, and then Benedict Matherin, you got in the draft. And he was a top 10 pick. And he could also be an all-star. So, yeah, they don't have a transformational player like Giannis. But there are Very two or three teams. of those players in the NBA. <laughs> I mean, I think they got they got a great trade and they traded away Sabonis and got Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald out of it. And then a great draft pick, at least so far, and Matherin. Like to me, both those things, like they're taking advantage of their opportunities. And yes, until they, they have a top three player in the league, they probably can't contend for a title. But so that's the same with like twenty seven other teams. 
but I, I, I do understand the frustrations of the texter because it seems I like mean, Miami doesn't have a, a, a play like Jimmy Butler is good, but he's a better player in the postseason right. than he is in the regular season. They've contended for a title twice in the last, what, four seasons? Yeah. So I think there's optimism. There's definitely optimism that we haven't seen in quite some time. Meanwhile, here in Fort Wayne, this was fascinating. Uh, Eric Doden, who's running for governor for the state of Indiana as a Republican. Which is something you need to remember once yes, we talk is, about this is, story. Okay? Is key. Yes, yeah. it's very important. That's why I brought it up to start. He has proposed a $1.5 billion downtown Fort Wayne development. This would be in the North River property. Again, that that land is essentially used as extra f- overflow festival parking across from Science Central for part of it. There's a lot, and then it's just an empty field. This would involve that space. Uh, it, it would include a 5,000-seat arena, a soccer stadium with a boutique hotel, a natatorium, esports venue, athletic fields, the wedge, which is the development that's already been announced, a high-rise, residential living spaces, and more additions to the Riverwalk. Now, the key part in all of this, uh, as far as where do things stand on this proposal? Well, a spokesperson for Fort Wayne FC, when reached... Uh, for comment, said the team has no information on this proposal. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Nor do the businesses no. along um, the, where this this perceived project would be along what Superior. Yeah. So uh, this like would TJ run TJ Noack supply. Like they have no idea. Like this would run sixty acres from Sherman Boulevard to Science Central. So look, at first, you, you look at this and 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 watch the rendering video and stuff. Like it looks tremendous. Right. But this is first of all, let's let's get in front of it because people immediately jump to, well, of course, because the election for mayor is in a couple of weeks. So, of course, this is being announced now. Well, and I was told that the soccer thing would be announced before the election, but this isn't from the city, not from the. Yeah, I expected this it to isn't be from, from the city. city government. Yeah, this isn't from the mayor's office. OK, this is from Eric Doden, who has been a part of downtown Fort Wayne and all that stuff. And and this is basically for him a, a, a legit, I'm not saying it's illegitimate instead of a plan, but you kind of see the writing on the wall is, is this kind of just him to try to have another notch in his resume for when he runs for governor next year or what, but make no mistake. This is not coming from mayor Henry. This is not coming from the city. The Fort Wayne FC has no idea what they're talking about. This, the businesses along Superior have no no idea what they're talking about. Based on the information that I was able to gather yesterday, and we'll talk to Dirk Rowley from Wayne TV in the second hour a little more about this, is talking from with, 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 with people that I know down at the mayor's office was some of this is part of existing plans or potential plans, like you mentioned the wedge, like you mentioned the stadium, all that stuff. But collectively, this is nothing that they're involved in. Because I look at the natatorium, I'm like, why do we need an Olympic-sized pool in Fort Wayne? They're already having all the Olympic trials and stuff down in Indianapolis at the at the pool down there, at the natatorium. I, I know Southside is kind of showing its age, but why do we need a natatorium in Fort Wayne? I don't understand that. I get the arena. I get the soccer stand. I, I do. Uh, I think there's some great ideas in here. I think there are already some existing ideas, from what I understand, that could happen. But that North River property, it's been thrown around, gosh, for what is it, like a decade now, it feels like? Feels like On it. what to do with the old Omnisource property. This is just another proposal. It's maybe the most, um, I would say... Comprehensive? M- yeah, comprehensive 
um, or most financially um, high. I mean, $1.5 billion is what you're talking about in development. Um, but this is far from a sure thing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and the other thing you do have to keep in mind. So Eric Doden's father, Daryl Doden, uh, had a stake in Electric Works uh, as far as investing money in that project. So there is a tie-in with that project as well. Eric Doden's a developer. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> just to make that clear, uh, he has Domo Development, uh, and then they're partnered with several other well-known companies around town, including Wigan Construction, MKM Architecture, among uh, some of the, the developers and partners on this project, Brown Capital Group, Cardin Associates, Cityscape Residential, Grove Holdings, Thompson Thrift, uh, as well, announced as part of this this project. But you got to, it's context, right? And we're giving you the context because I think, yeah, this looks great and it's flashy, but again, it's only a proposal. This has not been approved. There's no timeline for construction. There's no timeline for things opening. And, and we'll ask Dirk Rally kind of more of those questions if any of those details were released on this project. What's interesting too is not just businesses, but residences will be affected and uh, on High Street in particular. And this is right around where, where I grew up, North Highlands neighborhood and all this stuff. And and you look at, at, at what's potentially happening already. And per Rex Smith of Wayne TV in his follow-up story yesterday, explained that some properties in the neighborhood around high street have already been sold and demolished and others have been purchased by domo development so per the bloomingdale neighborhood association president chris walker some of these properties are already being bought for some sort of development at some point by domo development so that's what's kind of interesting is the proposal is in the formulative um uh, phase right now nothing's been set but um, it already seems like Domo Development's at least moving forward on something. But when we talk about downtown arena, when we talk about soccer stadium in terms of usage and need, are there people out there that are listening that say, yeah, absolutely bring on a 5,000 seat arena, 6,000 seat arena to downtown. But then I'm kind of wondering what is in that arena. The Comets. Most games could fit into five and 6,000 seat arena. But then you have opening night last Saturday night that had over 9,000 in the seats. So that's not going to work. There are no mad ants anymore. So my question is, who's playing down there? Purdue Fort Wayne? Okay, what is that? 15 times tops? People will say, oh, regional and semi-state basketball. Okay, that's fine, but that's two days. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Like, it's 365 days. What is going in that arena for 365 days? Well, and you look at what this would do if, again, these are so many ifs here. But the Coliseum would have a lot more availability for concert dates, and they could turn into a concert venue, get a lot more acts because they'd have a ton of Friday and Saturday uh, dates suddenly open. In the winter in the winter, which would help attract more tours. Also, something else to keep in mind, you would have a 10,000 plus seat arena in the Coliseum. You'd have a 5,000 seat arena that would be, or five or 6,000. So you're getting different levels of acts that you could attract to kind of have a, another a mid-tier size venue. I guess, but you have that at the Follinger. You have it at the Embassy. You have it at the Clyde. 
Um, I just don't know what the need is, really. I mean, and maybe, and maybe it's maybe we need to talk to somebody in music that says, yeah, that that would be perfect for. I mean, the Clyde is a venue that's like it's two thousand or less. Yeah, it's but it gets big acts. Yes, I look at the Folinger that can seat what three. 3,500, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's your mid-range. You have the embassy. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the near future um, you look at uh, another venue being built out at Sweetwater or something. I know they have an outdoor kind of setup, but wouldn't be surprised if they built like some sort of indoor uh, concert venue on their campus. I just don't know what you're filling an arena with all year long. To to validate building the thing if it's not the commons well no and i don't think five or six thousand is big enough for the I, yeah i would think you'd need seven or eight thousand yeah i so again all of this is is proposed and, and all this stuff and i, I think again the thing to remember is I, I, while i do think i'm not marginalizing eric doden and domo development aren't serious about this proposal it is interesting that he is running for governor next year. Okay. And the fact that Fort Wayne FC doesn't know anything about this proposal. The city of Fort Wayne doesn't know anything about this proposal. Or at least it's not part of it. Yeah. Beyond just the RFQ. Right. The, the, the businesses that would be affected by this uh, don't know anything about this or finding about it in the news yesterday. So all of this is nice and the video is great and, and the, the money is eye popping, but this is far from anything definitive happening. Yeah, this, this is a pretty far out, and we'll talk more about this just after the top of the 8 o'clock hour again. Dirk Rally, Wayne 15 evening anchor. He will join us to break down some of the, the details that we may not know and hopefully get some more information on this proposal. Coming up on the other side, it's gone from bad to worse for Harbaugh and Michigan. The latest details to come out. From Ann Arbor are simply not good. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 46862, your text line number. Again, 46862. Just type in CK first in your question, comment, rant, whatever you have for us here this morning. Another text coming in. CK, if Doden wants to win governor, then he can scratch the arena and pass a law to get us a casino downtown. <laughs> I am... Uh, there's a, I mean, I don't know if it's a lot of people or a vocal minority that would like a casino downtown. I, I wouldn't mind a casino. The, I, the issue with that is always parking, right? Well, I think the, 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 the rational issue is parking. The irrational issue is it brings crime or nefarious yeah. activity, which is like stupid, um, which I don't agree with. So I, I wouldn't necessarily be against you know what I brings crime? Criminals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? Um, yes. Poverty brings crime. And uh, people will say, well, everybody's going to go down there and, ga- and gamble all their money away. It's like, yeah, they're going to do that regardless. I, I just, just don't know, though, with the way, I mean, with the way you can bet on you- your phone, like, yeah, it's not. if that's as big of a draw. Also, like, I think it's a draw. He- here's the thing, like, a casino's going to have to have musical acts, right, to... Be more sustainable. Yeah, you look like four wins in terms of yeah, Yeah. in terms of drawing people in. But I think it's a good point. I don't know where you would put it. I guess the North River property. I don't know if that's a big enough space to be honest. I mean, it's what sixty acres. I mean, when you pass some of these casinos, 
They're huge. Yeah. And I, I don't think the North River is, is enough to include parking unless you would you have just to have, have a like giant a, parking garage. Right. You would have to have a multi-level parking garage or something. But I'm not against casino. I know some people are. I'm not. I just think you you need... It. I, I actually agree with the need for a downtown arena if it's done right. How it was proposed before didn't make any sense because I think they had the wrong team. <laughs> <laughs> attached to it that well and this is why is this will never happen and i know we got to move on but looking at this is because everybody will say well build enough a big enough arena downtown so where the comets can play well that is you always have the city versus the county the coliseum is county run okay allen county war memorial coliseum it is county run We're talking about city and so that would immediate that would pit city versus county if the city would build an arena big enough for the Comets to play in would basically be taking the Comets away from the County. So that's the, that's basically warring factions back and forth. That's why that's not going to happen because they're not, they don't work well together. We'll just say that at least in that respect. But here's the thing. The Coliseum would make more money <laughs> by the Comets leaving and going, you know, going to a different I mean, what arena, it, what it, because think? there would be, yes, like there's so much more availability for musical acts and for concerts and, and different things. Like you, you just opened up so many dates that were unavailable that are prime dates for artists, you know, to come in and perform. But I also think, and I, I've heard this multiple times before, the, the, the Coliseum isn't big enough for major, major, major acts. Like let's say Kenny Chesney, for example. He's, He's played going, here. Has he? Yeah. He played, I think, this year. At, at Coliseum, I thought he was at Ruoff. I'm pretty sure he played here. So could you, would you consistently be able to get those acts, or would they be more going to Indianapolis and Ruoff? I think you'd be able to get more of those acts. Yeah, he played May 18th of this year in Fort Wayne. All right, well, show so much I know what we're talking about <laughs> in music. I'm talking about sports, not music. But I, I mean, could you propose that for the city, but for the county? But then again, the county must look at it and say, we immediately... Already know about 40, 45 or so dates minimum where we have comets. Correct. And, and suddenly those are gone and they're open. But I think they look at it as that's that's automatic money. They don't have to work. They already have to fill the remaining 300, some 320 days, not 360 or something like that. Again, a I reminder, Key Arena in Seattle, when the Sonics left, actually made more money after the Sonics left because they could fill it with more concerts. Is Fort, here's, a, here's another question. Is Fort Wayne not based in a location to where it can consistently get serious acts when you're surrounded by Indianapolis, Chicago, Detroit, and Columbus? Or do you think that's not, that's a cop-out? I, I think for certain artists, yeah, because they're going to want a certain... But here's the thing, the, the capacity, you have over 10,000 for concerts in the Coliseum, so to me that's big enough. And artists that see an opportunity to play and, and have better dates, a.k.a. Yeah. weekend dates... Where you can draw a bigger crowd as opposed to a Tuesday night, I think that's that's a, a selling point. I think when you look at, I like the Coliseum. Okay, I'm prefacing by say the Coliseum, but I also think that holding on to the Coliseum as much as the area does holds the area back to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. It is an antiquated venue. They've done a great job in trying to keep it modern. But it's still an antiquated venue that when you see it, let's say you're out of area, you see it, you walk in, inside, outside, it doesn't excite you 
to the point where I need to go to a concert here in terms of the sight lines, in terms of the acoustics, and all the like the modern things. Okay. And I think there's an argument to be made that the Coliseum holds the area back in terms of getting act, whether it's acts, whether it's, I don't know, some sort of professional sport in some way outside of the comments. I, I just think they've repurposed it all they can. Right. And the venue is what it is. Um, the, the renovations they did back in the day with the, with the, uh, like the steel outside, like that is ugly. <laughs> like it always looks like it's still under construction. The, well, what they did with the, uh, the expo center and stuff like that. But I'm just, I, I'm prefacing by saying like some of my best memories as a kid with sporting events are at the Coliseum. I get it going to the circus and everything. I'm just saying when you look at other cities that have these arenas that are older i mean it's it's over 80 years old right yeah they've stepped into the modern day and built new arenas and that has helped them get other acts or sports or whatever and maybe that's a step if a downtown arena would happen that's a step in that direction again i'm not hating on the coliseum i'm just saying it's just it's it's 2023. And it's nice. It's a historic building. It's cool. It's got a lot of history in it. And what was it? Elvis, one of Elvis's last shows was there. All mm-hmm. that stuff. I get it. I totally understand. But at the same time, when you're surrounded by other cities that are becoming more and more modern in their entertainment offerings and what they can bring in, it just seems like you're, you're risking being left behind. Up in Ann Arbor. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan Wolverines, they're at risk of, well, a lot of things right now. Uh, More details came out on the scandal as far as the sign stealing and in-person scouting. Connor Stallions, the staffer who's been suspended with pay for Michigan, reportedly bought tickets for more than 30 games at 11 Big Ten schools over the last three years. You got to remember, Michigan stunk in 2020, the COVID season. They even lost to IU that year. (laughs) <laughs> That's a rock bottom. That's in rock bottom. Video evidence set to be sent to the NCAA this week. Uh, the video evidence uh, has electronics, u- as images of electronics used to steal signs. There's a paper trail as well. Stallings even purchased tickets on both sides of the stadium for Ohio State, Penn State on Saturday. Did not attend as the tickets were not used. He's also been accused of holding up the phone and taking video during games from from people who are sitting you know, behind him or near him. So this does not look good. And again, I'm going to stress that I don't know if it matters. It certainly doesn't matter to the NCAA because they can't make a decision fast enough to do anything this year. My thing is, if you're going to punish them, you need to punish them as soon as possible. Otherwise, the season is going to feel tainted and everyone's going to have these these doubts yeah. if you can't get something done before the college football playoff. I do you really feel it's tainted if Michigan goes and wins the national championship? I think because people, people a, are going to say that it's tainted. I don't care. It, what, it, I, I the more yesterday. that that comes out, like I understand how this is is set up and, and look, Michigan's dominating teams. Here's the thing. Uh, most of the time, these things take care of themselves, right? And uh, it's no guarantee that Michigan's going to win at all. Yes, they've been really dominant, no, but they, they haven't, do. they haven't played anybody yet. Right. <laughs> right. No. The best team they played all year has been Rutgers and Rutgers isn't very good. I know Rutgers is a bowl wins. team, but th- they have Rutgers is, is a team that's going to win probably seven games. Yeah. They could win. Maybe one. I mean, look at their schedule. It's tough the rest of the way. Um, 
I understand it's against the rules. I I have a hard time thinking this is the reason why Michigan's undefeated. I know you're not saying that, but I, I just for other people that um, that are Michigan haters saying this is the reason why um, the Wolverines are undefeated. I don't think so. I understand it's a rule, and Michigan broke the rules. I also think this is already becoming bigger than what Michigan would think it would have, or at least Jim Harbaugh, when it initially came out. It just every day seems to have another layer to this thing, right? You're already seeing, and I even felt this before this came out, more evidence to me that if Michigan doesn't win the national championship this year, which I don't think they do, then Jim Harbaugh leaves and goes to the NFL. Because remember, that's not a huge buyout. For yeah, Jim he, he restructured his contract. Yeah, when they the were university. talking about getting rid of him, or there was you know uncertainty about his job when they stunk, like you mentioned a couple years ago. I just feel like after they don't win the national championship this year, and what you can say is right now the best Michigan team that Harbaugh has had, and... Right now, the first time in, what, 10 years they have a better quarterback than Ohio State? Yeah. You'd say? Yeah. If they don't get it done this year, plus this noise surrounding this cheating scandal, I feel like Jim Harbaugh is like, I- I'm, I'm out of here. I-, I think the writing is on the wall already that Jim Harbaugh is there. And the fact that the Chicago Bears will probably be looking for another head coach, and there has been talk about Jim Harbaugh looking at the Bears job as the one that he would like to have in the NFL for some reason. That all adds up to me as if the Bears are serious about getting serious in the NFL and decide to actually pay somebody that has had proven success in the NFL, Jim Harbaugh, as a coach, then it's a no-brainer for Harbaugh to be gone at the end of this year. And we'll get more into that in hour number two on, on exactly, I, I agree, that right now is the time. And I'll explain with Michigan on why Harbaugh has taken this program as far as you can. Even if he doesn't win a national championship or even get to the college football playoff this year. I'll explain why that is the way it is. Uh, a text coming in, see so yeah, how is it that Michigan is the only school that is getting caught doing this? It sounds like Iowa and Iowa State whining about the, the yeah. players betting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, well, other schools were, were eventually caught players implicated, and I'm sure it's the same with this. They're, this is just tip of the iceberg stuff, as it usually is. I mean, first off, that's not an excuse to do it. You can't be no. like, well, everybody else is doing it. And again, this, that never this works rule, when you're a kid, and it doesn't work when you're running a major football program. This rule came about back in 94, and, and again, it was just a cost-saving move. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, it's, it's it, they didn't want to send scouts on the road and it's a way to make things more competitive uh, for smaller programs. That's why this rule exists. It, it's that other schools didn't want to have to send scouts to other games. It's it's a way to cut back on staffing. It's a way to cut back on costs. And for these bigger schools, they're probably annoyed by that. I mean, it's an antiquated rule, but mm-hmm. it is a rule. Yeah. And Michigan broke it. Repeatedly. Yeah. So if there's evidence out there, if Michigan has any evidence that another team is doing this, now would probably be the time to come out with it. But do they? That's that's the question that feels like it 
remains to be seen. Someone else, I don't condone cheating, but if you're going to do it, be the king at it. Find better <laughs> ways or quit. Uh, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? That's right. Going up on the other side, Marcus Freeman turning the tables on the media. What he had to say. He was critical of the media. Obviously, the media has been plenty critical of his 10 men on the field at the end of the Ohio State game. But here's what, what Marcus Freeman had to say. We'll get to that next as we wrap up hour number one. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Wrapping up hour number one here on a Tuesday. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. Again, 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Marcus Freeman, as Notre Dame coming off the bye week, having some fun with the media yesterday. Uh, one of the media members... Uh, and Marcus Freeman's kids on the same flag football team. You talk about pressure. Uh, the media member is, I believe, the coach of said team. Marcus Freeman's kids, some of his kids, he has what, five kids, six He's kids? He's got a lot of kids. Uh, but some of his kids Nico on, Freeman is on, on, plays on the team. team. And, uh, well, Marcus was- Freeman has the podium, and usually he's having to ask questions from the media, you know, biting questions and having to defend himself. This time, though, the tables were turned. My turn? Yep. Okay. Two things, right? <laughs> Second, third grade championship game. Okay. Two trips to the red zone. Yeah. Zero points. One play was a reverse pass that was intercepted in the red zone. You were the offense coordinator there? Okay. Thoughts on the red zone play calling? <laughs> What's your thoughts on those red zone play calling? You know, uh, they were attacking the run so much with Nico and Nolan, I thought we could drop one over their head, but maybe the elements, the mud. Game, yeah. it wasn't great for them, so. It's good. It's good. Last question. There was a Nico Freeman in that same game that had a long run that was uh, negated by only having one flag on. Whose responsibility is to make sure the young man has two flags on? I think it would be the guy in the huddle, which could be me, but you might be able to blame Coach Stanley on the Oh, you're, you're passing blame. <laughs> you got to own it now. Well, that, that I noticed you didn't ask about the fourth and fifth grade thrilling <laughs> championship games. <but> yeah, <laughs> I did. I was going to finish with congratulations on your two championship wins yesterday. And, uh, you know, head coaches get the credit sometimes. When they deserve and don't deserve, but um, congrats on two wins. It was good. D minus in the first game, and I think yeah. in the second. But game you won. Yes, you found right. a way to win. That's important, man. So appreciate that. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hitting him with the tough question. That was Tim O'Malley. That was the. Uh, he's a longtime Notre Dame uh, beat writer. So uh, coach, uh, coach Freeman, have some fun once again. Like how 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 do you not like Marcus Freeman? You cannot like Notre Dame. Yeah. How do you not like Marcus Freeman? I, I struggle to find a reason, a reason, a legitimate reason. I get that you can, you can maybe not like, you know, what, what happened at the end of the Ohio state game. That's fine. But Marcus Freeman as is a, a person is a, is a person. Yes. Very likable guy. I, I think it's easy to root for him, especially when you compare to the previous coach in Notre Dame, that if you weren't a Notre Dame fan, even if you were, you probably did not like him. other than the winning There was not a lot to like about Brian Kelly. Coming up on the other side, more on this proposed $1.5 billion downtown Fort Wayne development that would include an arena, a soccer stadium, a natatorium, and more. We'll talk with Wayne 15 evening anchor Dirk Rally coming up after the break here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch. Justin Kinney and you with us 
Thanks for being with us. 1380thefan.com. You can stream us there on the free 1380thefan app or your smart speaker if you aren't listening on your radio. Uh, you can also, if you miss anything, hour number one, catch up on the podcast. Free to download. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts, all for free. Look for that between 1030 and 11 o'clock each and every day after the show. Coming up this hour, we'll talk with Dirk Rally, Wayne 15 evening anchor here shortly. Plus, Michael Pittman Jr. wants a bigger role in the Colts offense. You cannot be more wrong based on how the season has gone. And Jim Harbaugh should take the NFL money and run. We'll point to potential leaning spots and why this is the time and why he has achieved all that he can at Michigan. Yes, even without a national championship. We'll explain that. And before we leave you, a Utah City told a homeowner to take down some dancing skeletons. We'll explain why when we wrap up. But joining us now on the guest line, Wayne 15 evening anchor Dirk Rally with us. Dirk, good morning. Thanks for waking up with us. Hey, good morning. It's uh, good to be back on the air on 1380, where I started my radio career in Fort Wayne some 33 years ago or something crazy like that. That's what uh, that's what Brett uh, Rump was telling us. You guys worked together back in the day. Yeah, that was uh, I think he was on I think he was on WME at the time, you know, spinning top 40 hits. But I was yeah, back when back when 1380 was playing country music, I was right there. That's crazy. Well, uh, first off, thanks for coming on. Now, this story that came out yesterday on the $1.5 billion downtown Fort Wayne Riverfront, North Riverfront property development uh, by Eric Doden and, and some other properties. Um, was this something that caught people by surprise or had this been in the works and, and there had been rumors of this for quite some time? Well, so two and a half years ago, Eric Doden proposed uh, moving to Riverfront Phase he owns, I believe, the land that would be west of Wells Street on the north side, so all the way over to Sherman and, and up to High Street. I think he owns a lot of those homes. I don't know that he owns all of them. I'm not exactly sure where, but he had proposed this a couple of years ago, um, and I don't know that it was widely reported. We had it, um, you know, that he wanted to build basically a, a structure at that point that would have been maybe a shell corporation, uh, you know, like a, an empty building that would have been for uh, a, a new corporate headquarters that somebody could move in and be right on the river. And, you know, it was really well done, designed locally. Um, the city was not ready to pivot from riverfront phase two. So he owns that section. And so I think when then the city acquired that link in the Pepsi property there on Harrison, just north of Promenade Park, and then and then they already own that Omnisource property where that soccer stadium has been talked about for a long time. Um, you put all that together, and I think he decided that it was a good time to move in and make one massive proposal altogether, because the city's asking for, what are we going to do with this Pepsi project? And so people are weighing in, and I think he just kind of came in and said, here's like the whole thing. We're just going to do all of this from Sherman Street all the way up to Science Central. That part, I think, surprised people. Um, so, yeah, I think nobody nobody expected that. I think most people were looking for what, what's going to happen with Pepsi, what's going to happen with Omnisource as two different things, and he's coming in trying to answer all of that at the same time. Dirk, in terms of, of what it would take for this project to, to happen, people say, well, does the city have to be involved, of course, but a lot of this could be private development as well, which we've seen in other projects around downtown. So not saying that all of this would happen, but 
is this possible in terms of what Eric Doden and his developers own now and what they potentially would have in terms of private investment? I, I mean, I think, I think there's serious people that can, you know, have access to get this done. They have access to the capital, but it clearly has to happen with the city. The city owns the Pepsi area. The city owns the Omnisource, you know, area right there across from Science Central. So the city has to ultimately decide this is the group that we want to work with and this is the direction that we want to go. They, at, they said yesterday this is kind of the who and maybe the what, but the how, I think they even said at the press conference, is not necessarily what they're talking about. Because my question is, it wasn't that long ago we just said an arena was not feasible, right? I mean, this is why we didn't move on it before. Um, so who, who's going to run this? Uh, you know, is that it's going to be the city arena, the city soccer stadium? Um, you know, the soccer team said they hadn't really been contacted by these folks. Um, you know, the natatorium, that's new to me. Uh, I didn't know that we had this demand for a natatorium. So I think they're kind of putting it out there as a conversation starter uh, to have a grand vision, what that's going to look like in the very end. You know, Electric Works doesn't look now exactly the way they had pitched it at first. So I think it's more of a conversation starter, but it is big and bold and attention grabbing because you look at these drawings and watch the video flying through. Like this looks pretty fantastic. Who's going to pay for it? Who's it going to? Who's it going to? You know, um, move. You know, all these homeowners and small businesses that are there. They're like, wait a minute, we're not. We're not on board with this. So it's a. It's a great question as to whether or not this all happens. Yeah, Dirk, you brought up uh, an interesting point that was leading to my next question in terms of Electric Works and how that project has gone. And so many people, when it was initially proposed, said there's no way this is going to work. Now they've had a couple phases and there's been positives and negatives on the project. So how has that impacted maybe this proposal and other projects, major projects in the downtown area in terms of how Electric Works has gone? That's a great question because I don't know who's answering that, like who's answering that. Because I think the public looks at electric works and is like, well, you know, that's not exactly what I thought. Because they, they, a lot of us felt like this was going to be uh, a play, you know, a, a new destination. And it's not, if it's a destination, it's not, you know, it's not there yet. Uh, and they'll tell you that. I think the the people that are developing it and and do it best. We just had that conversation with Dan Starr, their CEO. They're they like it. They think it's on track, and they will tell you quickly. Don't judge this yet because it's not done yet. There's still you know there's a new brewery that's going in. There's going to be supposedly more sit down restaurants that are going in. Eventually, there will be more people living nearby uh, in some of the housing there that they're redoing and. Who knows what could ever happen across the street at Electric Works. So it's so big that it's hard to judge it right now. It's kind of like at Parkview Field. It's hard to remember before when they built it, before they built the Harrison. We had the field. We didn't have the Harrison. We didn't have the hotel. So now we've kind of seen it, but it's but now, you know, years removed, it's like, oh, wait a minute. There was a point where we didn't have the office building. We didn't have the hotel. That all came later. It was still pretty cool when it started. Um so it, that's that's the hard part is that it, you know it's it's all these things we, like electric works we want to we, we forget that we're in the middle of it it's not the finished product so what this would look like you know because Eric Doden was a big driver in getting Do It Best connected to electric works 
he, he can pull things off like this, these big projects. The question is whether or not the city wants to and whether or not the public wants to, I think. Dirk Rally Wayne 15 joins us. Another element of this project that I find fascinating is a high-rise building going up in, in downtown Fort Wayne. I mean, that's not something that goes up every year, let alone every five years, every 10 years. Is there enough demand for all the things on this list to actually serve the community and, and not be maybe perhaps too much for, for what we have and what we already provide here? I have that same question. I ask that question all the time. I, I, don't, I don't know where all these companies and office you know, demands, especially now when people are you know, doing more work from home. And we had that press conference yesterday on the 18th floor at the PNC Bank building, and it was empty office space. I'm like, well, there's empty office space here. What, what, you know, at what point are we going to overbuild? I don't know. I, I, I wish I understood this, this more. I, you know, there's a bit of build it and they will come, but where are they coming from? Are we just moving jobs around? You know, a lot of people, a lot of critics of, of electric works are like, well, we just moved jobs from New Haven to Broadway you know, is that really economic development? What about all the property that's still left in New Haven? What, you know, I mean, so I, I don't know. At some point, it feels like they're going to overbuild, but the people smarter than me who have money in the game don't seem to think so. So, great question. I think along those lines in terms of need, and Dirk, you've been uh, around here, obviously, your entire life in terms of, of seeing the Coliseum and everything. In terms of need for a potential downtown arena that always seems like the hot button issue for a long time now in terms of downtown what are what are what's the sense that you get in terms of of, of who you talk to and even in the community when, when Wayne TV does gets out in the community and talks to people is is there a need for a downtown arena and i guess maybe the bigger question is what do you fill it with Right. So we don't have the Mad Ants anymore. Uh, that was, you know, the Mad Ants rightfully were saying, hey, look, we'd like more games on Fridays and Saturdays. The Comets took them all from the Coliseum because they've been there longer. Uh, if we had a different arena, maybe we could draw more people. Uh, we'll never know. Um, in my head, you know, with Andy Card is, is one of the developers in this proposal, um, is this going to be youth sports? Like, you know, is the you've got soccer stadium. Sure, we've got a soccer team, but what's going in that arena? Um, you know, Purdue, Fort Wayne, basketball, volleyball. Okay, maybe. Um, I, it's a great question. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it feels like you can't have you know uh, travel sport championships every weekend there. I mean, it's it's a great question, and I think that's why where I'm kind of surprised to see the arena bubble its way back up because it felt like they had already said that there wasn't enough of a, of a market there for that base. Now, if you've been up to, uh, to Trine up that, uh, what is it? The MTI building, you know, that they built, that's 3,500 seats. It's a beautiful space. We don't have anything like that that I'm aware of in Allen County, but again, there in Angola, they need that space. We have the Coliseum, we have the Grand Wayne Center, we have, you know, a lot of different other places. I don't know what, I don't know, um, but they seem to they seem to be pretty confident in it, and it's not like they're playing with house money. They've got they've got to have their own buy-in. So it, it's uh, it's one of those things I just watch and go, man, I hope I wish them luck. I hope this works if it ever gets off the ground if they you know get the approval. 
but I don't know. I, they did not go into the how of who's filling that arena space. I have no idea. Dirk Rally, Wayne 15 evening anchor with us. Before we let you go, the, the biggest question that remains unanswered, I think, in all of this is, okay, well, what's the timeline for anything like this? No details were given on that. Is there any kind of process or timeline with the city as far as this being accepted or rejected? So the city has pretty specific proposals and timelines uh, in in general. Like, So they put out the request for qualifications, the RFQ. So like, okay, what companies are interested in helping us develop this Pepsi project so who's you know what what's your track record they have a, a set di- a deadline uh, and then they have but then they have more time to then to ask for requests for proposals like okay now that we've vetted the companies what do you want to do with this space so that'll be the second question this proposal that we saw yesterday just blew past all of that and said not only are we qualified here's our vision um, you know uh, and basically, Captured, I think, as, as part of the, the release yesterday was to capture the imagination and, and help people think big. Uh, whether or not people want that big a project remains to be seen. Uh, but I have not heard a specific timeline. Like there is, I think, uh, I think there, you know, possibly could start construction if everything went perfectly on the very first project, maybe in a couple of years. They said it would take 10 years to build out this $1.5 billion project once it got started, but it may not start for a couple more years. Dirk Rally, Wayne 15 evening anchor. Dirk, thanks so much for, for coming on with us this morning and breaking down at least some of our questions. Obviously, we're going to continue to have more questions about this uh, proposal as it moves forward. And so do I. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we're all kind of going, wow, this is pretty cool. How's that going to work exactly? Um, and that's where people smarter than me that do this for a living, I guess, uh, Hopefully have it figured out. So thanks for having me on. It's good, uh, good to chat with you guys. Thanks for coming on, Dirk. And uh, we'll, we'll let you uh, go back to sleep so you can get ready for, for work later today and tonight. Thanks, guys. That's Dirk Rally, Wayne 15 evening anchor with us, getting up early. And he brought up a really interesting point that uh, I want to discuss before we go to break, talking about electric works. And a lot of people, and it, I've, been, I've been guilty of the same thing, where you, they opened it, and it was a slightly delayed last year in the opening, a few weeks to a month from what they originally said. That's fine. Um, but then it's open, you go, and then you're like, okay, that's nice. But again, they kind of like, oh, that's it? Like, you know, you expect some palatial, like, transformational thing, but then he's correct in saying that, yeah, it's phase one isn't even finished yet. Like, there's still spaces to be occupied. The brewery, uh, Chapman's is going in like there's still things that are are unfilled that will be filled just on that side, let alone the other three phases of the project. Like phase one is still not fully complete. Like the construction is done as far as the renovations and, and all, but filling the spaces that's not done yet. And so that is an interesting point in all of this is that, you know, we, we still have a ways to go with electric works, let alone a project of this scale. I would think that the issue with electric works, you're already having tenants leave electric works and that's not a good indication. And, and, and I've talked to a couple of people that say on weekends, yeah, it's vibrant down there. Yeah. People go down there. on weekend on weekdays though. There's not enough foot traffic because mm-hmm. it's not, 
right centrally located downtown to where people that work downtown can quickly walk over to electric works and eat. I mean, there is do it best and stuff that are in there that they can eat at electric works, but it's not centrally located. And then there's not enough around it to get a lot of foot traffic during the week. You need the spaces to be fully occupied for people to be like, Oh, I'm going to go over and grab lunch. Like during the week, like, yeah, it can be popular for a Friday lunch and obviously on Saturdays and Sundays, but like you said, not quite enough yet for the rest of the week. And I think that's kind of one of the things. And look, there are a lot of spaces in there that are occupied. The problem is, for example, one of those spaces is a co-working space and it's huge yeah. and it's nice. Yeah. It's a co-working, co-working space. So people come and go, they pay membership. So it's not like it's always full there. Right. Um, and that's like, that's an aspect in all of this. So you got to have the people now with this, this is take that what's happening at, at electric works. What multiply it by 10 at least. I mean, this yeah, is next level in terms of scale. And you, you look at, you know, again, from Sherman all the way up across to, to headwaters and then up, you know, to the, the lot, the North river property across from science central. I mean, that is a lot of development all along the riverfront. And this is a large scale thing. But again, the arena, we were told, well, there's just no demand, right? And now it suddenly pops back up on the timeline. I understand the soccer stadium. That's been in discussions. And in fact, even for North River with the city, but with Fort Wayne FC saying, yeah, we have, we have no, no contact, uh, no information on this proposal for a soccer stadium, no discussion with Doden and his partners. So all that is, is fascinating. My big question for the arena and also the soccer stadium, quite frankly, is what's filling it. I guess the soccer stadium, you could have high school games there, college games, but it's not like Purdue Fort Wayne has a crappy soccer facility at Hefner. I mean, it's pretty nice for Purdue Fort Wayne. Well, and do you also make it available for football? Right. I mean, I mean if it's have, big enough for soccer, it's obviously big enough for football. Yeah, but then it's, you know, who owns it and do they want it tore up if football's playing there and all that stuff? Like, Fort Wayne isn't a big enough city, I feel, and, and financially to just have places that sit empty other than a handful of days a year. Mm-hmm. Right? So you got to have, it's got to be a multi purpose, has to be multi place. And even with Fort Wayne FC, like I appreciate the support for Fort Wayne FC, but is FC in a position to consistently get 5,000 people at a soccer game? Not currently, but again, they're in, they want to move up tiers. Like they're in. Yeah, I see that. You know, they're the summer league. They want to move up to. And if they play what? A higher league. Let's play. Let's say how many home games they have. 10, 12. If yeah, that roughly, yeah, if that okay, there's 365 days in a year, yeah, and You're this is a summer days. This is a you know, late spring, summer schedule, and that's it. So, again, you'd have to have like if you have football games there again, that's another handful of nights, right? But that's right. it. I mean, are you having youth stuff there? I, I mean, you can have other things on Saturdays. I don't know, it, it's just finding again, why would. Like St. Francis is close by, but why would they move and play their football there? As opposed, I think to, they would. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's, there, there are a lot of questions. And again, and it goes with the with the arena too. Okay, that's nice. Build a five thousand seat arena downtown. How are you filling it? How are you filling it? Oh, regional and semi state basketball. Okay, that's two days. Yeah, <laughs> out of three sixty five. That's nice. 
But that's it. Then what? You don't have the Mad Ants anymore. And and I, I know the mayor and other people will talk about, well, they'll get another professional foot basketball team. That's the pinnacle of professional basketball outside of the NBA is the G League. They're not getting and another not G enough, League team. And not enough people were going. So what's going to be bigger than the Mad Ants? Yeah, you're not getting another G League team. You're not getting an NBA team, of course. So what's going to be bigger than you had at the Mad Ants where nobody went? That's my thing. So that's my big caveat is, okay, you can build a downtown arena. If the Comets aren't part of that equation, then what are you doing in that space? 46862, your text line number 46862. If you have thoughts on this, let us know on the text line. Just type in CK first in your question or comment. Coming up on the other side, Michael Pittman Jr. says he wants a bigger role in the Colts offense. Uh, The numbers certainly back up that, well, he already has a big role, so I don't get what he's complaining about. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM, 46862, your text line number. You can text the word SURVEY to 46862. Fill out our short fan survey if you're a fan of the fan and be entered for a $100 Visa gift card. You can just text survey to 46862. You'll get the link. Fill out the survey. Just takes a couple minutes about uh, programming shows, everything here on 1380 The Fan. Let us know your thoughts and then uh, you'll be entered for a $100 Visa gift card. You can also text us as well at 46862. Michael Pittman Jr. upset saying he's not getting enough targets for the Colts. Uh, He said, uh, Sunday, they just didn't target me today. Maybe I'm not a big part of the offense. Come on, man. You had a touchdown, two catches for 83 yards, five targets. Josh Downs only had one more target than you. Over the course of the season, you have 18 more targets than Josh Downs, nine more receptions than Downs. 88 more yards than Downs. The list goes on and on and on. You're tied with Downs for most receiving touchdowns on the year. It's a contract year. Don't talk about it. Be about it. And just show up and play. I I don't know. I just, this is nonsense to me. I don't like the approach of after a game, a game that you came very close to winning and it being a me thing right after. Yeah. Like it's a team effort, but you were complaining about your targets. Especially if this is after a win. Complaining. I know last week the big thing was Devontae Adams complaining about his targets or lack thereof in LA or Vegas. And he was targeted ad nauseum, especially early by Brian Hoyer in that game on Sunday with the Raiders and the Bears. But that's Devontae Adams. You're not Devontae Adams, first of all. Okay. Second of all, you're supposed to be this wide, this, the top wide receiver in this team, wide receiver one. You're not performing. As that. That's the biggest question coming in. I know he had that long touchdown on Sunday. Is Michael Pittman Jr., you've been given every opportunity the last couple of years to be wide receiver one, to prove to the Indianapolis Colts that you deserve a lucrative extension, and you've been unable to do so. You averaged eight and a half targets last year. You're averaging over nine targets this year, and you still cannot prove that you're a legitimate wide receiver one in this league. So, he can complain about lack of targets. I think he's had more than enough opportunities to prove how good he is. Yes, and and here's my thing. It's a contract year, and like you said, if if you're going to be a wide receiver one, and just let your play do the talking. And 
yeah, he may be the the wide receiver one for the Colts, but in the course of the league, on most teams, he's a two or a three. Now, were we all surprised and impressed that he had breakaway speed on that long touchdown and even taunted, which I had no problem with no, in getting that taunting penalty? No problem whatsoever. That was surprising. That was a, was a surprising moment, and you thought that was kind of the play that could have turned the game for the Colts. Ultimately, it did not. And here's the thing. If Josh Downs continues to perform like he is in the slot, that's going to open up opportunities for Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah. He should be feeling pretty good to say, hey, maybe for the first time in my career, I have a legitimate receiver to take attention off me, to open up opportunities. So I see more man coverage because they have to respect Josh Downs. Alec Pierce was supposed to be that guy, hasn't been that dude. So now it's Josh Downs that's getting some of that attention. So he should be maybe going, hey, the emergence of Josh Downs can only be a good thing for me. But no, he's just whining about his targets. We thought there'd be a drop-off when the Colts let Paris Campbell go. And, and look, it was an understandable move. You drafted Josh Downs. You just hope he turned into the next slot guy. And he has been that in in even more. I, I'd say he's... So far, so good. So far, he's really the, the number two guy on the team. And Alec Pierce, I get it, second year. You want to see some production next year will will probably be that make-or-break year, but the Colts need more depth at wide receiver. At least Josh Downs, though, has filled that slot role. And Michael Pittman Jr., as you said, that should create plenty more opportunities for him because of it. I will say, Michael Pittman Jr. has maximized his opportunities this year. He's not having drops, which he had issues with last year and the year before, quite frankly. He's really shored that up. And... He had close to 100 receptions last year. He's on target to be around that this year again. And yet he's whining about lack of target. I, I just, I don't understand the, the me, me, me aspect of it, particularly after a game in which you scored, the offense put up 38 points. If you were like the Raiders have been the last couple of weeks that haven't been able to score points and you have a legit Hall of Fame receiver in Devontae Adams that's not being fed the ball, then yeah, I can see the issues there. But Michael Pittman's not Devontae Adams. He hasn't proven he's Devontae Adams. He's had more than enough opportunities to prove he can be a, a wide receiver of that caliber and has it. But I think the best thing for Michael Pittman Jr. this year has been the emergence of Josh Downs, yet he still thinks he's not getting enough targets. Uh, again, this is not helping his case with fans. I mean, the chatter, like, does it really mean anything in terms of the contract? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But, like, just be a better teammate, I guess, is really ultimately what it, what it comes down to for me. Would he still be saying this if the Colts had won on no. Sunday? No, of course not. I mean, you would hope not. Then it's a real And, and if he is, then yeah, you have huge problems if he's saying that after a win. But after a loss, a close loss, in which your your team put up a lot of points against a really good defense, he comes out and says, I'm not, I'm not being utilized enough. And I really think it's, it's he, oh, well, Devontae Adams did it. I'll do it. See what happens. But you're a different player than what he is. Michael Pittman just needs to go out and produce. And he's still being targeted at m- m- more than he was a year ago. He just needs to continue to produce like he did on Sunday. Just shut up and produce, and eventually you'll get paid. If not by the Colts, then somebody. 46862, your text line number. Again, 46862. Coming up next... Jim Harbaugh should take the NFL money and run. The latest in the sign-stealing and in-person scouting scandal. It's not looking good, and he's accomplished everything. Yes, even without a national championship, he's accomplished everything he could 
at Michigan. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Don't forget, you can text SURVEY to 46862. Be part of the fan survey and be entered to win a $100 Visa gift card. Again, just takes a couple minutes to complete. Let us know your thoughts on the fan with the fan survey. Again, text survey to 46862. Jim Harbaugh and the the latest allegations out of Michigan, not looking good up in Ann Arbor. It's gone from bad to worse. There's video evidence set to be sent to the NCAA this week. Connor Stallions bought tickets. We talked about this hour number one uh, for more than 30 games at 11 Big Ten schools over the last three years. There's video evidence of electronics being used to steal signs, a paper trail as well. He even purchased tickets on both sides of the stadium for Ohio State, Penn State, Last Saturday, did not attend. Uh, He's suspended with pay, accused of holding up his phone and taking video during games from from other people. So it's not looking good. And if you're Jim Harbaugh, this is the perfect time where you have the highest leverage you've had to take the NFL money and run. There's really no reason for him to not go back to the NFL as this scandal is only seemingly going to get worse as the season goes on. Um, he has nothing left to achieve at Michigan. I know you'll say a national championship, but he has two straight college football playoffs. Here's the thing with a Michigan program that people don't want to admit or just completely gloss over the fact they don't win national titles. Yeah. Not (laughs) in the modern era of college football. Maybe they did a hundred years ago, but here's the deal. This is a program that over the last, you know, 25 plus years has half a title. It half a championship in 97. You want to crap on Notre Dame's haven't won a national championship since 1988. The, the only thing they have since 1948 Correct. is that half a title in 1997. Correct. So that's one of the things that I think Michigan gets maybe more hype and has always gotten more hype, but is, is not even like these last two years are the first Years they've competed for a championship. You go back to, of course, 2006, right? One versus two with Ohio State. But, like, that, that was the last time they were even on the radar for a national championship. If, if, if you want to say Notre Dame is irrelevant, which is wrong, Michigan is irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they are. Haven't even won a play. They lost to TCU last year. Okay? Haven't won a national title, a true national title, by themselves, unanimous, since 1948. World War II ended three years before the last national championship for Michigan. Last full. Again, full national championship. They shared a title in 97. Who was that with in 97? Nebraska? I think so. That might be right. Because it was not... The following year would have been uh, Tennessee, I believe. And that would have been the first year of the BCS. Yeah, I think it was Nebraska. That sounds correct. But it, like, there's nothing. There's nothing left for him to achieve here. Like, no, seriously. and he's he's, he's let, let's say you beat Ohio State again, three straight wins over the Buckeyes. That's not lasting very long. Ryan Day is too good, and the Ohio State program is too good to continue the dominance over Ohio State. I'm not saying all of a sudden the Buckeyes are going to go win eight, nine straight like they have in in recent history in this series. But I'm saying you're playing with house money. Against Ohio State. You've been able to win two straight. You have a good chance of maybe maybe winning a third straight. 
But this isn't going to be a, a, a run of 10 straight wins. And in the end, if all you're doing is beating Ohio State, is that enough? It's enough for Michigan fans. Enough for Michigan fans who haven't been able to celebrate a full national championship uh, since their grandpa was able to in 1948. Yet Notre Dame is irrelevant college football to some Michigan fans. So what do you have left to prove? There's, there's nothing. Like, literally, his options in the, in the NFL, do you go back to the pros and you go to Chicago, right? That's the obvious starting point because you know Matt Eberflus is going to be canned after this year. There, there's almost no doubt that that happens. Unless Justin Field magically turns into the QB1 they need him to and the Bears win games. But Or Tyson Badgett, for yeah, that matter. Yeah, I know. Getting another start on Sunday. Be- beating the Raiders is, is one thing. Um... The beating. entire country will get to see him on Sunday Night Football coming up this yeah. week. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> and no one, no one, no one asked for that. But what's keeping Jim Harbaugh at Michigan? If he cannot win a national title this year with arguably his best team ever at Michigan, mm-hmm. what's keeping him there? He's already. I, I, he always just kind of has felt like a guy that was never has never been 100% in. And I don't know if that was because he's been in the NFL before or this is the longest tenure he's ever been at anywhere, going from San Diego to Stanford to San Francisco. Is It just kind of feels like he's not a lifer at Michigan. Here's, here's my thing. I will admit, I didn't think he'd ever go back to the NFL. I thought he'd stay. He'd built something here at Michigan. He had job security. You beat Ohio State a couple times, it buys you like another three or four years, it feels like. Um, But what gets coaches to go on the move? Scandal, right? Pete Carroll at USC. Scandal. Boom. Jumps to the NFL. He's been at Seattle ever since. Uh, This feels like kind of that same scenario where you you get out, you go back to where you were. Remember, NFL guy before a college guy, not the other way around And in, in terms of coaching. And so that's the other aspect. He has the the luxury and ability where people aren't going to be critical of him going from college to the pros because he's already been a head coach in the pros and had success. He doesn't have to worry about that aspect. And people saying, oh, you'll flame out in two or three seasons and, and join the, the other cast-offs like Nick Saban and Matt Rule and Bobby Petrino and Urban Meyer and, and so on and so forth as far as top college coaches go to the NFL who flamed out and went back to college. He doesn't have to worry about that stigma either. No, not at all. I think that coupled with if you don't win a title this year, or at least you don't even get to the national championship because the last two years they've had the opportunity and haven't been able to. And last year went undefeated, entered the playoff, lose to TCU. This year, undefeated. Could they be undefeated going into the playoff? Are they not able to win a game? I just feel like if Jim Hart, if that's another repeat, or if Michigan doesn't even get to the playoff for whatever reason, I just feel like Jim Harbaugh could look at this and say, man, the last three years, we've been really good and still haven't gotten to the top. And, and, and he could be, what else What else could I do? What else yeah, can I do? I, I think he's achieved what should be in line with expectations at Michigan, to be honest. I mean, Beat he, Ohio State, win Big Ten titles, make the playoff. Like, I get that everyone wants to win a national championship, but... Like, it's a program that's not winning national championships. You got one and a half over the last, what, 55 years, 60 years? 
you you it's a comparable decision to what Brian Kelly made at Notre Dame. Whether you agree with it or not, is Brian Kelly looked at it and said, I've done all I possibly can at the University of Notre Dame. If I am going to win a national championship, which is very important to Brian Kelly, is I cannot do it here. And if you look at Jim Harbaugh as thinking the same thing in terms of I've done all I can here at Michigan and I still can't break through, then what am I doing staying here? That's the decision that Brian Kelly made. And is that the decision that Jim Harbaugh makes? These, this scandal going on right now, whether you think it's trivial, whether you think it's big, whether you say it's stupid, whether you say cheating is cheating and he got caught, whatever, that could impact what Jim Harbaugh decides after the season, depending on how the rest of the year goes for Michigan. Again, three tough games remaining all at the end of the year. Plus the, the Big Ten championship game. Let's say you get into the playoff. You couldn't beat TCU last year in the playoff. Who knows who you'll be matched up against this year. It's a it's a tough road. Not saying Michigan can't do it, but it's a tough road. Coming up on the other side, we'll wrap things up here on a Tuesday. A Utah homeowner told to take down their skeletons. We'll explain why next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Wrapping it up, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. So a Utah homeowner told to take down their Halloween display from city property. Uh, This is in the city of Grantsville. The Facebook post since been deleted, but they demanded a Halloween display be stripped from a street sign. Interesting wording in the the story. The display featured a skeleton um, posed like an exotic dancer Yeah, on uh, on city property. It's basically a, a street sign, right? So they yeah, it was like a street sign. It was a pole. Had to take it down the display because, well, it can't be on on city property. A display like this not acceptable. It is against city code to attach anything to a street sign. So the person had a timeline to remove it. This was last week. They did remove the display by the city's deadline, and then stepped up their decoration game. They they moved it into the front yard. There's a new pole for the. Dancing skeleton along with more skeletons, lights <laughs> in the shape of a stage, and a tip jar. Uh, hysterical. One of the skeletons um, handing out money or uh, having dollar <laughs> bills out. I, the, the only reason why it was asked to be taken down was because it was on the street side. Yes, I have no correct. problem with it. It's most, most people, most kids aren't going to understand. So whatever. I mean, it's all in good fun. So uh, I thought it was pretty witty. But the only reason why it had to be taken down or at least moved was because of the street sign. But, yeah, not, um, not because of the display. Yes, itself. not because of the display. But there are some very good displays around town. And and uh, if you're out and about, especially at night, um, it's pretty cool. I, I still remember houses in my old neighborhood that used to go all out around Halloween. And it's become only bigger, but it, it's pretty cool. There's a house with an, like, an inflatable clown. I'm like, that's too far. <laughs> you can't, I don't need even that. inflatable clowns yeah, are, I don't need are too that. much for you? Not a fan, and I drive by it pretty frequently because it's on a main road. No clowns allowed here. No. I don't like clowns, but I I will watch it. I don't like it, but I'll watch it. Uh, <laughs> I like. I guess I like being scared, but no, but nothing for Caleb. No clowns for no, Caleb. No, we talked about that at length. No clowns. Thanks to Dirk Riley for joining us on the show. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. Dan Patrick up next. The herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Meet with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4 and the Sports Rush with Brett Rump from 4 to 6. Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, your opportunity to win 
a large pizza from Pizza Hut. Listen in between 4 and 6 today. Uh, That's all to come today here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.